Just a quick mic check, making sure everything's working. Good morning, everyone, and wherever else you are in the world. <coughs> good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Today marks the first episode of... Uh, I forget the name sometimes, it's way too long. Might have to cut it down a bit. Um, Crumpets, Tea, and Jam podcast. Saturday morning, Tea, Crumpets, and Jam podcast. That's it. Um, I wanted to choose a stereotypical British name because I have a stereotypical British accent. Can't pronounce my T's. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all it is. However, <coughs> even though I am British, I wanted to speak about probably one of the biggest things that's happening right now in the world, and that would be the US elections. Um, four years ago, we had, I think it was four years ago, yeah, four years ago we had Trump versus Hillary Clinton. Yeah. <coughs> Doing a podcast off of memory. When it's my memory, probably isn't the best idea. I remember we had huge debates. British people, American people, all over the world. I believe Hillary Clinton wanted to like, close off airspace over Syria, which was Russian airspace or something, so that would have infringed rights on the Russians, and they basically would have either gone into a cold war or an actual war over it. Um, but I'm not sure about all of that. Over the last four years, Trump, I mean, he hasn't started any nuclear wars, but I believe several times he came very close to doing so. Of course, I mean, we're all human, you know, and the US president, whoever they are, they're also human, you know. Everybody makes mistakes every every day, so the president is not exempt of that. Of course, so we can't expect perfection from them, but we do deserve at least a good president. Um, whether you hate Donald Trump or love him, you know, we're all in the same boat right now, waiting to see who's going to become president. Because it has been a close, pretty close battle until uh, the recent two, three days where Biden shot ahead and he was behind the 270 vote requirement for presidency by, I think, six votes, which Nevada has six votes. And I think winning that would have basically guaranteed him the presidency, the elect electoral election I don't know. but of course Donald Trump called fraud and is launching a full-scale um, full-scale sue lawsuit yeah against Biden against Biden's party or whatever is it here? <clears throat> so, Republican reaction, they say it's baseless claims of election fraud, probably is, but, I don't know, 
It could be based on something he heard. Um, so yeah, we're waiting on Nevada right now. So, yeah, Mr. Trump asserted with no evidence in a rambling news conference on Thursday that um, it was all fraught and they weren't counting them correctly or Biden paid them off, something like that. So Biden's party has been collecting a whole bunch of money to fight this lawsuit and whether they win or not, I'm not, I'm not really sure the repercussions of that. Like, if they lose it, is Donald, are they going to get, like, disqualified from the runnings? What if both of them get disqualified? Does it go to the next highest voter? That'd be interesting. <clears throat> but still. We'll see results on that, hopefully, in the next few days. Because the whole world's waiting on Nevada right now. I also wanted to see 2024. Well, first of that, the votes right now, Biden's on 253 and Trump is on 214 out of 270. Um, so the weird thing about that is that the other day, I believe, Trump was on 217. Biden was 50 votes ahead of him, and now Biden is only 39 votes ahead of him. I'm not sure if that's because of the pause, or if they're taking away some of the votes and recounting them to make sure, in key states or something, because that's what Trump's been going over with the um, fraud. We may never know. But what we do know is that both Trump and Kanye West have plans to run again in 2024. Um, Kanye West has suggested he will run for president in 2024 following his failed bid this year. <laughs> Alongside a, a photo of him next to an electoral map filled with Republican and Democrat wins, he tweeted, Welp, an expression of disappointment. He added, Kanye 2024. <laughs> Welp, Kanye. Oh, I love him. See, Kanye, he ran for president this year. He definitely has enough money to run a full-scale presidential um, campaign. I feel more the problem is that today, American like, presidencies, you know, elections, uh, electorals, whatever they're called, I always forget. Um, they always have a party behind them. They're never, they're never actually an individual, which Kanye West is. Um, so... He already had a disadvantage there. But on top of that... Um, completely slipped my mind. <laughs> um, on top of that, uh, on top of him being individual, he started running late, where a bunch of, a bunch of um, states had already closed their votes. It already, you know, you had to pick somebody. Um, the, they'd already closed their candidates. Um, that you could vote for. So he was late to a bunch of key states, I believe, including Wisconsin. Um, <clears throat> uh, 
course, the problem with that being that <coughs> he'd lose out on a mass amount of votes. I believe he only got 0.4% of all the votes, which isn't actually too bad, seeing that he isn't even... Well, he might be political, but he isn't actually... He isn't what the first choice um, of a political candidate that you think of, you know, Kanye West, music writer, and I don't know what else he actually does. Um, so yeah, he was a latecomer to the 2020 race, announcing his candidacy in July. Initially focusing on abortion and faith, he later drew up a 10-point platform calling for support for the environment and arts, an anti-interventionalist foreign policy, and reforms to the legal system and policing. Uh, he struggled to make it to the ballots of many states, including some that legally barred him from appearing, and encouraged supporters to write him onto their ballot papers. Across the 12 states whose ballots he appeared on, so he only got it in 12 states out of 50, or is it 52 in America? I always fucking forget. I think it's 50. Um, <clears throat> across the 12 states whose ballots he appeared on, he won fewer than 60,000 votes. He found most success in Tennessee, winning more than 10,000 votes, which was 0.3% of the state's total. As he cast his own vote, West said he had never previously voted in a presidential election. He tweeted, God is so good. Today I am voting for the first time in my life for the President of the United States, and it's for someone I truly trust. Me. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, and then, and then this thing again. Oh, wait, no, this is the wrong. So then they just input an article about uh, Joe Biden presidency could be on the horizon for the US and the world. Um, whatever Trump says, the outcome of the presidential election is still in the balance as vote counting continues. The result will have decade-defining consequences for global democracy and progress. Now, I also want... Uh, wait, no. Trump. Trump running in 2024. So, as ballots in key battleground states weighed in favor of Joe Biden for the presidency, President Donald Trump aides are already discussing the possibility of a Trump resurrection run in 2024. During a report Thursday night on CNN, White House correspondent Jim Acosta said Trump's aides have already... Re I'm sorry, that sounds... Uh, Trump's aides have already raised the topic of running again in 2024 with the president. Um, and then... So, yeah. Aides and advisors were starting to talk about the potential not only that the president may lose some sort of election, but that he may mount some sort of re resurrection run in 2024. The US Constitution prevents presidents from serving more than two terms, but Trump could run again in 2024 if he loses in 2020, according to the second, 22nd Amendment. Eh, amendment. Yeah. Trump seems to be taking this... I mean, it isn't a definite loss, that's for sure, but he definitely seems to be taking this not so well. Now, I also... If Biden is pulling ahead so far with this, I also wanted 
to look at some of his policies. Um, I was trying to look at drug policies, uh, gun violence, and I have also heard some discrepancy about his tax. <clears throat> his abortion, um, his, his opinions and thoughts on abortion is what are the main things that most people speak about, but most people know that he's um, pro-choice, I believe it's called. Opposite of pro-life. Um, I've always been weird on abortion. Because obviously women should have the choice. Like, especially uh, rape victims or... You know, stuff like that. Things can happen, things can go wrong, and it can lead to a worse life for the mother or the father and the child themselves. But at the same time, it just feels like such a waste that a life, before it even has a life, is just killed. You know? You just think that person could have changed the world. So all it takes is one person. And that person could have died before they even knew that they were alive. It's a depressing subject, but you can't really force people to keep a baby if they don't want to. I don't know. It's a subject I'm not really fond of. But Joe Biden's policy on guns surprised me because I'd never thought an American could be against guns. <laughs> so this is from Joe Biden's official official page. So most of the resources that you'll find on here will be biased towards him. So not everything could be a hundred percent true, but. It's probably our best bet. Um, so Joe Biden knows that gun violence is a public health epidemic. Almost 40,000 people die as a result of firearm injuries every year in the United States, and many more are wounded. Some of these deaths and injuries are the result of mass shootings that make national headlines. Others are the result of daily acts of gun violence or suicides that may not make national headlines, but are just as devastating to the families and communities left behind. Joe, ba Joe Biden has taken on the NRA on the national stage and won. Twice. In 1993, he shepherded through Congress the Brady Handgun Violence Prote Prevention Act, <coughs> which established the background check system that has since kept more than 3 million firearms out of dangerous hands. In 1994, Biden, along with Senator Dianne Feinstein, secured the passage of 10-year bans on assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. As president, Joe Biden will defeat the NRA again. Joe Biden also knows how to make progress on reducing gun violence using executive action. After the tragedy at Sandy Hook Elementary School in 2012, President Obama tasked Vice President Biden with developing both <clears throat> legislative legislative le, why am I having such trouble legislative 
legislative legislative yeah um legislative fucking hell legislative proposals and executive actions to make our communities safer as a result of this effort the obama biden administration took more than two dozen actions including narrowing the so-called gun show loophole increasing the number of records in the background check system and expanding funding for mental health services it's within our grasp to end our gun violence epidemic and respect the second amendment which is limited as president biden will pursue constitutional common sense gun safety policies biden will hold gun manufacturers accountable get weapons of war off our streets and ban the manufacture and sale of assault weapons and high capacity magazines regulate possession of existing assault weapons under the national firearms act buy back the assault weapons and high capacity magazines already in our communities reduce stockpiling of weapons keep guns out of dangerous hands require background checks for all gun sales close other loopholes in the federal background check system reinstate the obama biden policy to keep guns out of the hands of certain people unable to manage their affairs for mental reasons which president trump reversed close the hate crime loophole close the charleston loophole close the fugitive from justice loophole created by the trump administration end the online sale of firearms and ammunition ammunitions create an effective program to ensure individuals who become prohibited from from possessing firearms relinquish their weapons incentivize state extreme risk laws give states incentives to set up gun licensing programs adequately fund the background check system and make sure firearm owners take on the responsibility of ensuring their weapons are used safely put america on the path to ensuring that 100% of firearms sold in america are smart guns hold adults accountable for giving minors access to firearms require this is a fucking um yeah okay that that goes on for like another 10 minutes so basically um one of his main policies isn't fully against guns it's actually a reasonably sensible policy which is assault weapons i'm not sure if that class is as shotguns our shotguns class so i'm imagining it's mainly big guns like lmgs assault rifles uh define some type of some types of firearms so the definitions of assault weapons is a semi-automatic firearm yeah capable of accepting a detachable magazine now semi-automatic firearm <laughs> i imagine that would have just been pistols though um folding or telescopic telescoping stock which reduces the overall length of the firearm pistol grip that protrudes beneath the action of the weapon bayonet lug which allows the mounting of a bayonet threaded barrel which can accept devices such as a flash suppressor suppressor compensator or muzzle brake grenade launcher and 
Barrel Shroud. Now those are actually parts of those. The term assault weapon refers primarily to semi-automatic rifles, like uh, a Garand or something, uh, pistols, and shotguns that are able to accept detachable magazines and possess one or more other features, which I just read through. Um, nothing about fully automatic rifles, but I imagine those would be a part of it. Pistols and shotguns that are able to accept detachable magazines. So, pump-action shotguns should be okay then? Probably? I'm not sure. But I did hear that it would basically, the main thing is fully automatic assault rifles. Which would make sense seeing that they're literally called assault rifles. Um, somebody also said to me that they can't return all of the weapons because there would be probably billions in use, especially in Texas. But it seems that regulate possession of existing assault weapons under the National Firearms Act. Currently, the National Firearms Act requires individuals possessing machine guns, silencers, and short-barreled rifles to undergo a background check and register those weapons with the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, or ATF. Due to these requirements, such weapons are rarely used in crimes. As president, Biden will pursue legislation to regulate, regulate possession of existing assault weapons under the National Firearms Act. <laughs> so I guess instead of just machine guns, it would be more, because machine guns are rarely used in crimes because they have background checks on each person. Buy back assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. Biden will also institute a program to buy back weapons of war currently on our streets. This will give individuals who now possess assault weapons or high-capacity magazines two options. Sell the weapons to the government, or register them under the National Firearms Act. In order to reduce the stockpiling of firearms, Biden supports legislation restricting the number of firearms an individual may purchase per month to one. So, you can only buy one gun per month. Okay. Um, and then we've got the mental problems, background checks, and then loopholes. In addition to closing the boyfriend loophole, and then the hate crime loophole, Charleston loophole, fugitives from justice loophole. Um, uh, it doesn't have a description of the boyfriend loophole. It has descriptions of all the other ones. Okay, the boyfriend loophole refers to a grab um, that allows access to guns by physically abusive ex-boyfriends and stalkers with previous convictions. Okay. Um, while individuals who have been convicted of or are under a restraining order for domestic violence are prohibited from owning a firearm, this, this prohibition only applies if the victim was the perpetrator's spouse, cohabitant, or had a child with the victim. So if you don't have a... if you didn't live with them, weren't married to them, and didn't have a child with them, you're still able to get a gun. Um, so that's the boyfriend loophole. The hate crime loophole... Who has been convicted of a misdemeanor hate crime or received an enhanced sentence for a misdemeanor 
So basically anybody who has done a hate crime, who's been convicted of a hate crime, um, will never be able to buy a firearm. Or as long as they're under prohibition, will never be able to purchase a firearm. It isn't very clear. The Charleston loophole allows people to complete a firearms purchase if their background check is not completed within three business days. So, if the background check can't be finished, they just are legally able to buy a gun. And I guess this closes it, which expends the timeline from three to ten business days. Biden will also ask the FBI to put on his desk within his first hundred days as president a report detailing the cases in which background checks are not completed within ten business days and steps the federal government can take to reduce or eliminate this occurrence. And then the fugitive from justice loophole. Because of actions by the Trump administration, records of almost 500,000 fugitives from justice who are prohibited prohibited from purchasing firearms were deleted from the background check system. The Biden administration will restore these records and enact legislation to make clear that people facing arrest warrants are prohibited from purchasing or possessing firearms. Okay, and that seems to be most of the things about his firearm policy. <coughs> now, the criminal justice. This was when I was trying to look at drugs. Because um, he seems to have exactly the opposite policies of Trump. And I think Trump is against drug use. I'm not sure. Rich people sometimes are, sometimes aren't. <coughs> Quality, equity, justice. Um, to today, too many people are incarcerated in the United States, and too many of them are black and brown. Brown. Black is a word that's frequently used. Brown, I thought that was a racist term. I was treated as a racist term. That's... I've never actually seen it officially used before. <clears throat> to build safe and healthy communities, we need to rethink who we're sending to jail, how we treat those in jail, and how we help them get the healthcare, education, jobs, and housing they need to successfully rejoin society after they serve their time. Um, we can and must reduce the number of people incarcerated in this country while also reducing crime. No one should be incarcerated for drug use alone. Instead, they should be diverted to drug courts and treatment. Reducing the number of incarcerated individuals reduce federal spending on incarceration. These savings will be reinvested in the communities impacted by mass incarceration. So, instead of being able to be arrested, I'm guessing for possession and usage of drugs, you'd have to go to court where you'd explain the reasonings, where you got it from, etc., etc., and then they decide from there. So then a lot more cases wouldn't just be, oh, you have drugs, you go into jail. It would be, oh, you have drugs, you go to court, and then they decide you either go free with a warning or something, or you get incarcerated. Our criminal justice system cannot be just used, um, no, cannot be just, unless we reroute out the racial, gender, and income-based disparities in the system. Black mothers and fathers should feel confident that their children are safe walking the streets of America. And, when a police officer pins on that shield and walks out the door, the officer's family should know they'll come home at the end of the day. 
Additionally, women and children are uniquely impacted by the criminal justice system and the system needs to address their unique needs. Yeah, that's... Yeah, everybody's different. Everybody has different needs. Makes sense. Our criminal justice system must be focused on redemption and rehabilitation. Make sure formerly incarcerated individuals have the opportunity to be productive members of our society is not only the right thing to do, it will also grow our economy. No one should be profiting off of our criminal justice system. Biden calls for the immediate passage of Congressman Bobby Scott's Safe Justice Act, an evidence-based comprehensive bill to reform our criminal justice system from front-end sentencing reform to back-end release policies. Not entirely sure what that means. Front-end sentencing reform. America's justice system is weird. But the Biden plan will also go further. Biden will take bold action to reduce our prison population, create a more just society, and make our communities safer by preventing crime, providing opportunities for all, eliminating racial disparities, and ensuring fair safe sentences, offering second chances, and reducing violence in our communities and supporting survivors of violence. Hmm. Offering second chances. Now that might be the only problem there, because obviously a lot of people who do a crime, it, it, it's a one-off thing. But the problem is, if it isn't a one-off thing, if they're just a, like a... It might be talking about something else, but if they're a, just a full-on murderer and they're giving a second chance and they murder a second person, sure they'll be incarcerated probably for life, but that's still another person dead. Okay, and now, the percentage of girls in our juvenile justice system who have a history of physical or sexual abuse could be as high as 80 or 90%. Roughly one out of every four children in foster care will interact with the criminal justice system just two years after exiting foster care. Incarcerated individuals have lower literacy levels than individuals not involved in the criminal justice system. Too many people with mental health or substance use disorders end up incarcerated. I guess that would be talking about, like, psychopaths or sociopaths who do a crime, and I guess because they have that mental health issue, mental illness, they don't see it as bad, possibly, but I don't know how they're supposed to deal with that. And then substance use disorders, which we've already spoken on. Um, if you're addicted, you know, sending you to prison isn't going to fix your addiction, which I'm guessing is what they're trying to combat here. Instead, sending them to rehab, trying to fix that. Um, okay, and now we've got... I've got four key findings on the tax changes that Biden are putting in. This is from the, I think... It's either the official tax foundation or just tax foundation. Okay. So, key findings. Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden would enact a number of policies that would raise taxes on individuals with income above $400,000. That's yearly, by the way. Including raising individual income 
capital gains and payroll taxes. Bynard would also raise taxes on corporations by raising the corporate income tax and imposing a corporate minimum book tax. So, what that means is that any person who owns over $400,000 a year above, yeah, above, um, would get taxed more. I think it's 2 to 4% more, something about that. Maybe even more, I'm not sure. And he also says raising individual income, capital gains, and payroll taxes. I'm not sure if that's still for the 400000 above. I don't believe. I did see one article which basically summed it up pretty well with Trump rewards wealth, Biden rewards work. So Biden is, I guess, against the rich gender where if you are rich, you stay rich forever. I guess he wants to reduce that while also increasing an average person's wages. Um, but the problem that we were talking about is he also wants to raise taxes on corporations and imposing a corporate minimum book tax. See, it's a good, good and all because corporations and corporates have millions. They're rich as hell. But <clears throat> if you are taxing these corporations more because they have m so much money, they aren't going to try and give some money away to reduce tax. I mean, I don't believe they would. I feel that if you're taxing corporations while increasing individual income, they'll just reduce individual income on a whole. Like, if, if a company paid above minimum wage, they might drop it to minimum wage to reduce expenses, you know, to keep more money for themselves because they're being taxed more. But of course, that would get them more money, so maybe they would try and push out a sum of money through workers and but they might just they might just put it into shares in other countries or change stuff like that I'm not sure what what that will come into because Trump never really did much with the country did he just tweeted at China and Korea to nuke them lol <coughs> Biden's plan would raise tax revenue by $3.3 trillion over the next decade on a conventional basis. When accounting for macroeconomic feedback effects, the plan would collect about $2.8 trillion the next decade. This is lower than we originally estimated due to the revenue effects of the coronavirus pandemic and economic turndown, and new tax credit proposals introduced by the Biden campaign. Not 100% sure what that means. I've never really been into tax. Not in my country, not in America. According to Tax Foundation's general equilibrium model, the Biden tax plan would reduce GDP by 1.62% over the long term. Now, I think that's goods. Something about goods, like you'd imagine stuff in crates, you know, um, wares. Now, I'm not sure if that's reducing the price of goods or reducing the uh, value of goods because if it's reducing the value 
that would make them more expensive because corporations, because they're worth less, they'll have to up the price on them. Or it's talking about the price you can sell them at is reduced by 1.62%, which would be better for people like you and me because that'd be cheaper, obviously. And then on a conventional basis, the Biden tax plan by 2030 would lead to about 7.7% less after-tax income for the top 1% of taxpayers and about 1.9% decline in after-tax income for all taxpayers on average. So, wait, 7.7% less after-tax income. So, the top 1% will be will have 7.7% less income and for all taxpayers on average will see a 1.9% decline in after tax income so that's that isn't good for anybody that's bad for everybody that's an extra is that an extra is that just an extra 7.7% taxes yeah I guess it is so taxes are increasing a bunch for top 1% so if you were earning a hundred thousand a year you would lose I guess that would only be seven thousand seven hundred dollars a year which would drop you to about ninety Ninety-two point seven, ninety-two point seven thousand. Yeah, so you'd be losing about seven thousand dollars a year, and if you earned about thirty thousand, I guess you'd be losing about three hundred and ninety dollars a year. Yeah. <sighs> Interesting. No, about $500. If you earn about $30,000 a year, then you're losing about $500 from that. Hmm. So, that's not good for anybody. So, yeah, impose a 12.4% Social Security payroll tax for wages above 400000 a year. Increase the corporate income tax to 28%. Um... And then conventional revenue, dynamic revenue, gross domestic product, capital stock, full-time equivalent jobs, minus 542,000. Yeah. So income group. What is this? What kind of table is this? Interesting, so... Hmm. Um... I can't tell if that's better or worse. So income group 0% to 20%, rise 
right now is 10.8%, I'm guessing that's tax. And in 2030, it will be minus 0.2%, which is dropping it by literally 11%. And I don't think that's good. I'm not sure whether this is tax and like minus is tax returns. Um, if you guys want to read up on this, it's can be the webpage can be found at https colon double slash taxfoundation.org slash Joe hyphen Biden hyphen tax hyphen plan hyphen twenty twenty and there's a dash at the end too. But yeah, it seems like everybody's getting taxed more especially big corporations especially big corporations one of the last things I wanted to touch on today was the fact that a bunch of people are saying that Biden well Trump is more like let's say we put it into terms of like Ben Shapiro Trump is more like facts don't care about your feelings you know um transgenders and um, all those people um, what are the other ones you know LGBTQ different racial minorities they don't deserve as much as we do you know being like white men or whatever he seems he seems very racist sexist homophobic kind of person um, but that I mean for all we know, that is just how he grew up. Maybe he had the bad experiences, but still, you should never, you should never just generalize, which is something he does very well. So, there's that. Um, and then I've heard a bunch of people saying that people who trust in Biden, who want Biden elected, are quote-unquote snowflakes. If you don't know what that term means, it's usually an American term for people who can't take insults. Like, you'd make a joke at them and they'd cry or something or they'd get really, really hurt. Which, to be fair, isn't... I don't know. Some people generalize snowflakes as, like, if you're offended at anything, then you're a snowflake. Because a lot of people these days, you know, they'll say a lot of offensive jokes and they'll find them funny. The problem is most offensive jokes, especially from like stand-up comedians and stuff, aren't actually about white people. They aren't actually based towards the general public, like white women and white men. Because, you know, you don't want to offend the majority. Obviously not every stand-up comedian does that. A lot of them are just it's just generalized comedy at any kind of people. I've never really had a thing against stand-up comedy. Um, usually I don't like it when they're just throwing out insults to all kind of people. Like, even if it is counted as a joke, it's still... You know, it, it's still... I don't know. It's, it's treated... It's taken in a wrong... It's taken in a wrong aspect kind of thing. <sighs> I don't know. A lot of people say it's snowflakes when it's usually more people who just want respect. See, one thing that a lot of LGBTQ community, uh, most people I know that are a part of it, 
a lot of them, they demand respect. They, if they have different pronouns, they'll expect you to call them by that. And if you don't, you know, they'll, they'll treat you like shit. Um, and then the argument with that is, most of the ones that I know that do that are complete assholes. And they don't, de- they don't deserve that kind of respect. They don't deserve that just because they're different. Because nobody deserves more respect just because they're different. On that basis, then, you know, there'll always be different people. And if you're respecting them more than normal people, you know. The thing is, we're all people. We're all the same people, no matter how you identify, no matter how you look, no matter how you think. We're all people. So we all deserve the same amount of respect. All deserve the same amount of recognition. Um, the problem is, is that there'll always be aggression. There'll always be stigma. That will never really be deleted, no matter how hard you try. You can force it. You can force people to stay silent about it. You can force people to never speak about it. But it'll still be there, hanging in the air. You know, you can never really delete a stigma. So, straight white, like, people, you know, both men and women, um, a lot of them have stigma against LGBTQ+. They have a lot of stigma against different races, just naturally, I guess. Um, And that's just, I guess, a part of the world. And in turn those people have stigma against white people. They have stigma against other people who are different from them. Because I believe, in a way, every person sees themselves as normal. And sometimes they like to pretend that they're different or act as if they're better than everyone else or different from everyone else. When in reality, we're still all the same people we just identify different. Um, I forgot exactly where I was going with this. But yeah, I don't believe that Biden is supporting like a snowflakes kind of world where you can't offend anybody. It's more the matter of, I mean, unless they're your close friend, unless it's just a joke among friends that they know is a joke, then why would you insult people? You know, especially like on purpose. You might do it accidentally, and that should be accepted. You know, a lot of people are like, if you accidentally insult me, I'll sue you. When it completely, it just isn't completely fair, because not everybody knows if you're going to be offended or not. Now, the main reason, I don't know why people are so offensive these days. Um, comedy usually comes with offensiveness against a race, a kind of people. That's usually where comedy comes from, is where comedy lies. But the problem with that is it is feeding off of stereotypes and people that will get offended. You know, everybody will get offended. There's no person in this world that can just completely ignore insults. Um, they might pretend they ignore it. I pretend it might not affect them, but, you know, it usually does affect people. 
So the whole snowflake agenda, the whole people just get offended at everything you say. I wouldn't say that such being that isn't such being a snowflake. It's more it's more just a sensitive person, and there's nothing wrong with being sensitive. A lot of people are snowflakes and like like kind of entitled parents, kind of uh, thinking like they'll be offended just for attention or just for something like that. And I believe that's where the term snowflake actually came from. You know, mummy's little snowflake. Um, I believe that's what it is. It's what I've always seen it as, whenever people say it. But no, if if somebody doesn't want to be offended based on who they are, then that's completely understandable. And if Biden enforces that kind of policy, I don't know. Maybe it'll be easier to come together as one. Because that's what humans have a big trouble in doing nowadays. It's coming together as one. You know, I always see, like, Instagram posts and stuff of, like, LGBTQ people always saying, like, I wish they had, like, gay cafes. Like, like gay bars, but not for sex. <laughs> not for drinking, not for sex. Um, the problem with that is not only are you segregating yourself in that sense, but also segregating against straight people. You know, um, which just in turn aggregates everyone more. See, we strive so hard for equality, but I don't ever think we'll ever reach it. Because one day, even if every like, if if minorities are treated above the majority, like white straight white women and male men, um then the problem always arises that those straight white women and men might be treated as lesser, might be treated as inferior. And as a whole, if they were treated as inferior, then maybe it would be equal. As in a sense of, if we were all treated as inferior, then (laughs) it would be equal. But it's also the fact that just individuals who've never been racist, who've never been homophobic, who've never tried to insult anybody, who's always tried to be friendly, would be treated as inferior unfairly. It's the same as racism against black people, against Asian people, against Indians, against Chinese, anything like that, um, or against gay people, lesbians, or all that, trans people. It's all stigma based on a few people that you know, or a few people that you've heard about online, or based on the opinions of people who aren't even those people, which is just widespread over a whole community. You can't say, like, every gay person I know is bad, therefore all gay people are bad. You might only know bad gay people. You might only know bad black people, or Asian people. That doesn't mean that every single gay person is bad. If you want to treat somebody bad because they've treated you bad, you should treat that individual bad. You shouldn't take pot shots at their race or their gender or sexuality 
just because you don't like that person. If you have a dispute with that person, you don't go tell everybody else. You don't go insult their family or, you know, their economy. Economy? Um, community. If you have a fight with somebody, you fight them. You're not fighting everything they stand for. Which is the biggest problem in today. It's the, like, a bunch of people hate gays and lesbians and trans people and whatever else there is out there. And they hate black people and Asian people and people of all different minorities or majorities or whatever. It's like some white men are racist against white men. Some white women are racist against white women and vice versa. And it's so stupid because everybody seems to try and combat hate with hate. If there's racism, then there's going to be what some people would call reverse racism, which is just black people hating white people, which makes sense. Because if white people hate black people, and we've done so for so long as a community, then obviously they're going to retaliate, you know? Um... Think of the French Revolution. You know, the top 1%. They didn't care about the lesser. So when the lesser people rioted and came to the castle, I think it was the king, like, that. you know, they wanted equality, and the king said, I think it was, I, I think, I can't tell if this, I can't remember if this is a real story or just like a story. And the king just said, like, let them eat cake, sarcastically, because they wanted equality, and he was like, oh, we cake so let them eat cake too but that obviously that isn't a quality so then they killed him um and then it was supposed to be the people's world but the problem is the rioters who were there that day they would take charge they'll always be ahead that's why communism would never work because communism strives for equality in all i think maybe socialism I'm not sure, but equality, socialism, whatever. It strives for equality for all. If you work more, you get more money. If you work less, you get less money, but everybody can still live. Everybody can still live. Everybody gets the same amount of land. There's no there's no um, class divides. Dividation? Divi- div- division? Division. Division. Class division. <laughs> there is none of that. So everybody's treated as equal. The problem is... I don't believe that a world like that is ever reachable because there'll always be hate, there'll always be stigma, there'll always be powers that are greater than other people. You know, you can't exactly be like, yo, rich person, you have to give 30 million away to 10 people and this person has to give 300 trillion away to a million people. It it doesn't... It won't work like that. It's like vegans. Think of that, right? I have nothing against vegans. A lot of people do for some weird reason. It's like, how dare you not eat meat, etc., etc. But there's nothing wrong with vegans. If they're able to have a balanced diet, then sure. Sure, that, that's fine. You know, I, I don't care. Like, if you're vegan, I don't care. You know, be vegan. Um, but the problem that a lot of vegans have, I mean... The majority of those that I've met, which is basically about 90% of vegans that I've met, have this crazy aspiration that 
everybody in the world becomes vegan right now. Of course, for them, that would be achievable because they're vegans. But the fact of the matter is that because the whole world uses meat, not only would it be impossible, but if it was forced, if it was enforced onto a big country like America or the world, well, it's go to hell in a fucking handbasket real quick. See, the thing is, we have individuals who are going to be different, but as a majority, as a community, will never all be the same. So stigma will never make sense to me. Stigma will never make sense to anybody, because people who think it makes sense are obviously just dumb. Because it, it doesn't make any sense to hate other people when we're all the same, you know? It's like, sure, gay people, lesbian people, whatever, might have a different... Would it be a gender? They might have different likes, they might have different tastes in clothing or, or movies. It doesn't make us different. We should all be treated equally, no matter who we are, or no matter who, where we come from. And that's just that's just the basis of things. Even though, personally, I believe we'll never even reach that kind of social equality. I don't think we ever will. Maybe it'll sway, maybe it'll fluctuate, but I never think we'll achieve true equality. Because half the people who are fighting for equality are fighting for a hundred different variants of equality. And half of them aren't even equal. You know? It's... It's a horrible world out there. But one of the main things everybody needs to focus on, whether you're straight, whether you're white, whether you're black, whether you're gay, whether you're lesbian, whether you're trans, whether you're... I don't know. You've got gender fluidity like water. I don't know. And frankly, I don't care. We should all treat each other as equals. And no matter how you're treated, you just need to remember that no matter what people call you, no matter how many people treat you, you'll never be anybody else except who you are. If you're gay, and everybody in your family, and all of your friends, and everybody you know calls you a faggot, calls you a gay bitch, I don't know, You just gotta remember, no matter what people say, that you are you, and you're the best you you'll ever be. So no matter what people say, no matter how people treat you, just remember who you are, and be happy with who you are, because you could never be anybody else. Be proud of that. Because you couldn't be anybody else, and nobody else can be you. You're the best you you'll ever be. No matter whether you're at your lowest or your highest. You at your lowest is the best you'll ever be at your lowest. And you at your highest will... You're the best you'll ever be at your highest. No matter what, 
no matter who talks to us, no matter who offends us. We don't have to strive to make them know that they offended us. We don't have to force everybody to use our pronouns and to use our correct sexuality, genders, and, I don't know, body... meh. We don't need all of that. All you truly need is to know who you are. You know who you are. You don't need people to call you a hundred different pronouns. You just need the people that you care about to call you by that. Because the people that don't matter to you, the people that don't love you and care for you, they'll never matter in the grand scheme of things. You are the number one person in your life. That's why it's titled Your Life. Nobody else runs it. You do. And never forget that. Because it's dead-ass important to remember it. We've gone over the uh, hour mark by about five minutes, which I did not actually expect to reach, because about halfway through most of my points on Biden, we were 17 minutes in. So now that we've gone above that, and I was also AFK for about five minutes while I was setting everything up, so has been about an hour. And I thank you all for watching, listening, watching and listening if you're on YouTube. This should be hopefully uploaded by next week or in three days or whenever. I would like it to be uploaded on Saturday because it's Saturday morning. Um, it will be live streamed here every Saturday morning. Morning is a is a uh, <laughs> is a term used loosely because right now it's it's almost two o'clock, but that is my morning and it's my this is my Saturday morning, isn't it? Um, so yeah, I thank you all for watching. This should be up on YouTube, it should be up on Spotify, should be up on a few other podcast thingy things. Um, I'm not entirely sure what they are, I just, I, I just, I use Anchor, and it's a Spotify, like, partner app, and it just uploads your podcast to a bunch of different things, not just Spotify. However... I'll thank you all for watching, listening, fuck, I'll thank you all for listening, I hope you have a wonderful day. This has been the Saturday Morning Tea, Crumpets and Jam Podcast. Thank you everyone. Bye bye.